Hello, this is John Deeks, and welcome to Your Life Choices, the podcast. Thousands of people in Australia, and perhaps you're one of them, suffer from inflammatory bowel disease, Crohn's and colitis. It's a disease that until recently has not received a lot of publicity, but if you have it, it's a shocker, and many people have been suffering in silence. Research highlights that older Australians living with this have a lack of support, but today we shine a light on inflammatory bowel disease and speak to Professor Paul Pavley, who can assist us in finding out what IBD is, what the causes are, and what the latest research has found. Paul, welcome to the show. Thank you. Good to be here. It's great to have you, sir, and uh, I'd like to just clarify inflammatory bowel disease, Crohn's and colitis. Well, inflammatory diseases are conditions where you get uncontrolled inflammation of various organ systems. Inflammation is the body's natural response to an infection. And in the grand scheme of things, most inflammation is due to an infection. You get a scratch, it gets infected, normally it heals, but Mm -hmm. sometimes it will get infected and everything swells up, it goes red hot, swollen, tender, and it doesn't work properly. Now, there are certain conditions where you have inflammation without any underlying infection. And ones that are commonly known are things like rheumatoid arthritis, where you have inflammation of the joints that swell up, go red hot and tender, don't work, and we can't identify any infection. So this is uncontrolled, or doctors have a fancy term, it's called idiopathic, which just means we don't know. The doctors don't like saying we don't know, so they call it idiopathic. <laughs> right. But every organ system has idiopathic inflammation. Like I said, arthritis, psoriasis, inflammation of the skin without any known cause. You can have it of the kidneys, of the heart, of the lungs, and you can have it in the gut. And there are two forms. One is Crohn's disease that can affect any part of the gut from the top to the bottom and ulcerative colitis that's restricted to the, the lower bowel, um, the large intestine or the colon. What causes it? Well, we don't know. It's a combination of genetics and environment, and the environmental factor is likely to be some sort of germ. Now, one of the things that we are aware of, um, we haven't really been able to explain adequately, is the fact that these conditions are becoming more common. It can't be on the basis of genetics alone, because it's becoming more common in respect to generation turnover. So it's becoming more common regardless of second or third generations of families. And it must be an environmental thing. We think it might have something to do with antibiotic exposure. There's certainly evidence that children exposed to antibiotics have a higher risk, but basically we don't know. Uh, What about uh, the good old one, diet? I'm wondering if uh, certain parts of the world, America, uh, where they might be eating foods which have a lot of corn syrup or or other factors in it, um, does that play a role? And conversely, countries that like the Mediterranean diet we hear of or those those folks in Japan who are in that island who live to 120, does diet play a role? There's no proven role of diet, though there's a lot of research going on in that area. Certainly diet can help people who have these conditions um, in terms of maintaining their nutrition and preventing complications. But in terms of causation, we really can't put our finger on any particular dietary factor. Now, that's different from something like celiac disease, where there's a very clear dietary trigger, and that is gluten. So, um, you know, there are conditions in which we can identify a dietary factor, but so far we haven't been able to do that for Crohn's and colitis. 
Although a lot of people still think that there is a dietary component and working hard to try to identify it. I don't know about you, Paul, and I'm not asking your age, but I'm 72, and I remember uh, going to you know state school, and you know we'd share our peanut butter sandwiches around. We'd the, the amount of food that you sort of gave around. You didn't hear uh, of the problems that people have now with different types of foods. Uh, has it? Is this something that just has increased? And, and this is a side issue to what we're talking about today, but it just seems to have really you know exploded. And you're right. I mean, there are all the peanut allergens and the nut allergens. There's another interesting gastrointestinal condition called eosinophilic esophagitis. And that's the gullet, the upper gut from the mouth to the stomach, the, the food passage there. And over the last couple of decades, we've seen that more and more commonly. And that typically causes um, blockages. Somebody eats something and food gets stuck on the way down. And then the person can be perfectly okay for weeks. And then it can happen again. And that is, to a large extent, caused by diet. People go on a, a six-food exclusion diet and make you know, things like milk, soy, eggs, wheat, nuts, and seafood and shellfish. Um, if you avoid those foods, your symptoms will improve. But that is something that we didn't know about in the early 90s and is certainly quite common in the 2020s. Paul, I noticed in a survey that uh, by 2030, 30% of all sufferers will be actually 60 plus. Yes, and that's because it's becoming more common and people um, living with the diseases to an older age. Mm. Um, the, the peak incidence is people in their 20s. And in fact, the median age of diagnosis is 27, which means that 50% of people will get it under the age of 27 and 50% of people get it over the age of 27. But there does seem to be a peak of people mm. um, in the 60s. Now, these conditions are becoming more common. So the people that are 20, 30, 40 now are going to be 40, 50, 60 in a couple of decades. And that's why we're seeing increasing proportion of people over the age of 60. How does one know if one has Crohn's or colitis, and I guess you're going to know something's wrong for sure, but where does it manifest itself? Many, many different um, symptoms. In somebody who's got ulcerative colitis, it always affects the very bottom part of the bowel, the rectum, mm. and people with ulcerative colitis tend to seek medical advice quite promptly because they'll get irritation and diarrhea and often get bleeding from the lower bowel, and that uh, generally triggers a response to go and see a doctor often because people think it's bowel cancer, but sure. when um, the, the investigations are done, it turns out to be colitis. Uh, but that's because ulcerative colitis almost always affects the rectum. Yeah. With Crohn's, it's a bit more problematic because it most commonly affects the, the part of the bowel where the small bowel joins the large bowel, and that's deep in the abdomen and um, hard to access. And the sorts of symptoms that people get are things like tiredness and lethargy, just don't feel well. Mm. They can get cramping, abdominal pain, but it's around the belly button. Most people who get irritable bowel syndrome, which I'll come to later, tend to get it on the left side or, or at the lower right side. But people with Crohn's tend to get it initially around the belly button. It can go to the right side, but it generally starts around the belly button and comes and goes in waves. And then uh, you can get diarrhea. Uh, one of the amazing things to me is that 10% of people will get anemia. Oh. Which is very it's a very significant um, pathological abnormality. Your your hemoglobin drops to the extent where you are anemic in ten percent of people. So 
that is indicative of this inflammatory process. The bone marrow isn't as effective in producing blood and you're losing blood um, in the bowel from bleeding. Mm. And so that's another symptom that people might develop. But nowadays we've got education programs where uh, Crohn's and Colitis Australia has um, a program trying to promote education amongst GPs and in the, in the lay population yeah. about the symptoms that we might expect. Now, the other issue is that Crohn's and colitis are relatively rare, you know, maybe one in a thousand people, whereas something like irritable bowel syndrome is quite common and affects maybe 15% of the population. So Crohn's is about a hundred as common as irritable bowel syndrome. Now, irritable bowel syndrome is often mistaken for inflammatory bowel disease, IBS and IBD, so we try not to use the term IBD, but Crohn's and colitis. The way that I think of irritable bowel syndrome is like having a cramp or a spasm mm. um, in the bowel. Now, if you get a cramp or a spasm in your leg, in your calf, you can be rolling around the floor in agony, um, and, but once it's gone, there's nothing to show for it. Oh. And that's the same with irritable bowel. You can get terrible gut aches and wind and gurgling and rumbling and bloating as a feature, diarrhea or constipation. But when the symptoms resolve, we can do all the tests in the world and we can't find anything specifically abnormal. Are men and women affected equally, Paul? With uh, Crohn's and colitis, mm. yes, pretty close. There's no gender dominant. What is the latest research, sir, when it comes to looking at oh, prevention and, and, and hopefully cures? Well, there's a lot of research and it is one of the big frontiers of gastroenterology, certainly. I guess one of the main things is that treatment has improved so much over the last two decades. Mm. We have available to us drugs called biologicals that have really transformed the care of patients with Crohn's and colitis. And I tell people that when they work, they're life-transforming or life-changing treatments because things get back to being perfectly normal. You've got to understand that even with reasonable control of Crohn's and colitis using the older medications, things were never back to normal. We no. used to use steroids, prednisone and other steroids, and some people, even though they control the disease, just won't take those medications because the side effects of those drugs are almost worse than the disease. And I, I talked to the medical students about the side effects of steroids. I've got three slides on the adverse effects of steroids. There, um, there are many. But I just want to make one point, and I think this is particularly relevant to the older population, and that is concerns about osteoporosis and bone loss. People on long-term steroids can develop osteoporosis, and older people in general develop osteoporosis. And if, like I said, if there's one message I would like to get across to your audience in general, um, it's to remain active and yeah. to exercise and to try and delay the development of osteoporosis that leads to frailty and adverse consequences of that. And you're absolutely correct, sir, of course. Uh, use it or lose it. Um, the Australian PBS medical listing announcement recently was a positive step forward for Crohn's and colitis patients. So uh, it was a, a good thing that uh, the listing has gone into the PBS. Yeah, in 2000, when our unit first started using biologics, they weren't actually on the market. They weren't on the PBS until 2007, so we were very lucky that we had access to these medications beforehand. Mm. But now the first one came on in 2007. Now we've got five, six, seven biologics that we have available 
for the use of patients. And generally speaking, one or other of them is going to work in the majority of people. They don't all work in all people, but by trial and error. And that's one of the other things that I try to get across to my patients with Crohn's and colitis. We can't look at a patient and say this drug is going to work or that drug's going to work. The only way we can do it is that we try medication. If it works, well and good. If it doesn't work, we go on to the next medication, try that. And over time, we eventually, in most cases, find a medication that works. This is a good time to mention that uh, May was the Crohn's and Colitis Australia Awareness Month. And um, I would really recommend, and we will put this up on our website at Your Life Choices, Crohn's and Colitis, one word, C-R-O-H-N. S-A-N-D-C-O-L-I-T-I-S dot org dot A-U. A lot there to remember, but just remember Crohn's and Colitis dot org dot A-U is the place to go. There you will find an absolute uh, mine of uh, wonderful resources and uh, information and, uh, and real-life uh, examples of people who are living with this Crohn's and Colitis uh, situation and uh, also places to go, fundraising, so many more as well. So I would encourage people to go to the croncolitis.org.au website and take a look. Paul, before I wrap it up, is there anything else you want to get across before we do? I, I think um, really the most important message to get across, don't look it up on the web. <laughs> go to reputable sources like Crohn's and Colitis. Dr. Google is not the place to go. <laughs> exactly. Okay. I see people and they're beside themselves with fear over the things that you read on the web, mm. and most of it's just not true. Go to a reputable source, get reliable information, go to Crohn's and Colitis Australia, and uh, you know the American or the British equivalents. Uh, they're all reliable, useful information. Excellent. The place to go is to, well, certainly to uh, a reputable uh, physician, someone who can who can put you on to a gastroenterologist or someone who is a, is a professional when it comes to Crohn's and colitis, or go to crohnsandcolitis.org.au, a website that we're going to put up on our website at Your Life Choices, and that's the place to go. Paul, thank you so much for giving up your time. Thank you so much for your hard work and diligence and all the team there who are doing so much wonderful research and uh, to all the people who are suffering, our, our thoughts are with you, and thank you so much indeed for your time today. It's a pleasure. Thank you. Professor Dr. Paul Pavley uh, talking about Crohn's and colitis and do go to their website, crohnsandcolitis.org.au. And I hope this has been of help to you. And until next time, this is me, John Deeks, saying thank you on behalf of all the team here at Your Life Choices. Stay well, stay happy, and we'll catch you next time. 